in the annals of the untamed western frontier, where the rules of civility were often eclipsed by the desperate and the lawless, a singular name struck terror into the hearts of those who dared dance with illegality, particularly where the pilfering of trains was concerned. Long before the birth of modern guardians like the FBI, the Secret Service, or the CIA, there existed a precursor, a clandestine organization whose lineage was as mysterious as its deeds were legendary. This private detective agency, shrouded in secrecy and wielding far-reaching influence, was an enigmatic institution, its purpose manyfold. It orchestrated meticulous investigations into the cradle of corruption, safeguarded a president, relentlessly pursued outlaws until they were shadows of their former selves, watched over invaluable cargo journeying through the sinews of the burgeoning railroad, and carried out furtive espionage at the behest of the United States government. This is The Pinkertons, a private detective agency that never sleeps, and you are listening to The Lore Network. In the labyrinthine corridors of history, Alan J. Pinkerton emerged as a singular figure, a man molded by adversity and intellect. Born under the gray skies of Glasgow, in the unforgiving precincts of Gorbals, on the 21st day of July in the year 1819, he was the second surviving son of Isabel McQueen and William Pinkerton. Baptized on the 25th of August, a symbolic gesture that bore little influence on his worldview, for Alan J. Pinkerton would avoid the trappings of religious upbringing to remain a steadfast atheist throughout the breadth of his life. Fate cruelly wrested his father from him when he was but a ten-year-old, an event that subsequently saw him forsake formal education. Yet, Alan was a voracious reader, as though each page consumed could fill the void left by life's hardships. Self-educated and profoundly independent, his mind was a crucible of ceaseless questioning and ingenuity. On a momentous day, the 13th of March in the year 1842, he entwined his destiny with that of his new wife, Joan Carfrey, as they stood before the altar. She was a singer hailing from Duddingston, her voice akin to melodious winds that traverse the highlands. United in the hallowed solemnity of Glasgow's institutions, they remained a steadfast pair, inextricably bound to one another until the unseen fingers of time would pen the final chapter of their shared lives. Forged in the crucible of social unrest, Alan Pinkerton was not merely a cooper by trade, but also an impassioned crusader in the Scottish Chartist movement. This was no ordinary call to arms. It was a fervent struggle born from the smog-laden factories and cobbled streets, a working-class upheaval demanding political reform across the British Isles. However, the unyielding jaws of authority clamped down upon him following a volatile clash during a Chartist protest in England. Suddenly, Alan Pinkerton was a man wanted by the law, his name affixed to a warrant that sought his immediate arrest. In a desperate bid for sanctuary, Pinkerton embarked on an odyssey to the United States in the year 1842. The journey was anything but smooth. The vessel that bore him and his hopes was ensnared by the icy grasp of the Atlantic, just off the coast of Nova Scotia. Abandoning all worldly possessions, Allen and his fellow travelers were left with no recourse but to row toward safety. By the time they set foot on American soil, they were impoverished in material wealth but rich in unbreakable resolve. In his own words, all that remained were their health and a few pennies. In this new world, 
a kindred spirit named Bobby Fergus extended the warmth of temporary hearth and home. With Fergus's assistance, Pinkerton found employment in the familiar trade of cooperage at the Lills Brewery. But America held promises of further opportunities. In 1843, life led him to the Dundee Township in Illinois, a place cradled by the Fox River, a mere 50 miles northwest of the burgeoning metropolis that was Chicago. With hands hardened by labor and a spirit unyielding, he erected a humble cabin and established his own cooperage. Upon its completion, he sent for his beloved Joan, who was still in Chicago, to join him in this new chapter of their lives. It would be, as Joan remarked later, their best years. But Alan Pinkerton was not a man to merely carve wood. He was destined to carve history. By as early as 1844, he had allied himself with Chicago's abolitionist vanguard, men and women who, like him, could not abide the abomination of slavery. His cabin in Dundee transformed into a clandestine sanctuary, a pivotal station along the Underground Railroad. Here, he provided more than mere shelter. He offered fleeting moments of peace and the enduring promise of freedom to escaped slaves, guiding them through the perilous passage to emancipation. In the secluded enclaves of Dundee's wooded groves, Alan Pinkerton stumbled upon a darker secret. He was at the time foraging for timber suitable for barrels when he crossed paths with a nefarious band, likely acolytes of the infamous prairie bands, immersed in the forbidden art of counterfeiting. Intrigued and driven by a dormant knack for investigation, Pinkerton keenly surveilled their cloak-and-dagger activities before bringing the gathered intelligence to the local sheriff, resulting in their capture. Fortune, or perhaps destiny, nudged him closer to the folds of law enforcement when the proprietor of a general store sought his aid in identifying a dubious character. A counterfeiter, the merchant said. Armed with an uncanny talent for scrutiny and subterfuge, Pinkerton identified the culprit as one John Craig. Persistently embedding himself in Craig's shadowy world, he won the man's trust, convincing him to conduct a clandestine transaction in the very heart of Chicago. In orchestrated unison with law enforcement, Pinkerton laid an inescapable trap. Craig was caught red-handed while in the act. Shortly thereafter, Sheriff Dearborn, recognizing the exceptional qualities of courage and integrity that Pinkerton radiated, offered him the role of deputy. Alan Pinkerton accepted, swiftly impressing both peers and superiors alike. Yet, his unyielding stand for justice won him not just admiration, but also the ire of those he thwarted. In an attempt that could only be ascribed to nefarious intent, an unseen assailant tried to assassinate him. By sheer serendipity, Pinkerton customarily walked with a hand tucked behind his back. The bullet meant for his life found only his hand, and its lethal journey was halted there. The shot was so alarmingly close that his coat sleeve ignited from the weapon's muzzle flare. Surgeons would later extract two bone-shattering bullets that had traveled from his wrist and lodged in his elbow. These threads of destiny and circumstance led to a seminal moment in 1849. Alan Pinkerton was appointed the first police detective of Chicago in Cook County, Illinois. Alas, his tenure was brief, lasting a mere year, as he tendered his resignation citing insufferable political interference. Yet his odyssey in the realm of law enforcement was far from over. 
Securing a position as a special agent with the post office, Pinkerton once more demonstrated his unparalleled acumen for detective work. It was often remarked that, in the mysterious craft of investigation, Alan Pinkerton had no equal. Indeed, it was questionable if such a paragon existed anywhere else in the nation. In the year 1850, beneath the high vaulted ceilings of a Masonic hall in Chicago, where whispers of fraternity and ritual filled the air, Alan Pinkerton encountered Edward Rucker. The latter was a Chicago-based attorney whose sensibilities mirrored Pinkerton's own, particularly their shared reverence for the intricacies of law. The kinship was immediate and potent. The inevitability of their alliance culminated in the inception of a pioneering law enforcement entity. Initially christened as the Northwestern Police Agency, it soon metamorphosed into Pinkerton & Co. and eventually acquired its most enduring title, the Pinkerton National Detective Agency. In this transformation, Alan Pinkerton's already formidable reputation was not merely an asset, it was the agency's cornerstone. Yet the tale of Alan Pinkerton would be incomplete without acknowledging his camaraderie with John Brown, a man of incendiary principles, one of the most radical abolitionists the nation had ever seen. Brown was not just a figurehead in the struggle against slavery, he was a tinderbox in human form whose actions contributed to igniting the cauldron that would boil over into the Civil War. Tragically, or perhaps inevitably, Brown met his end in 1859, executed for masterminding an ill-fated raid on Harper's Ferry in Virginia. His audacious plan had been to seize the Federal Armory and arm slaves for an uprising, a cataclysm that never came to fruition. Before this calamitous event, however, John Brown had spearheaded a different, more fruitful raid. Yet even then his exploits carried a heavy price. A farmer was killed, forcing Brown and his comrades to go on the run. In these dire circumstances, Alan Pinkerton proved more than a mere acquaintance. He provided them with clandestine lodging, a sanctuary from the relentless hunt. More than that, Pinkerton became a guardian of their desperate cause, raising sufficient funds to Shepard Brown and his fellow fugitives to the relative safety of Canadian soil. So it was that Alan Pinkerton, ever the evolving figure, fortified his own legacy while interweaving it with the tempestuous fabric of a nation on the brink. His deeds, both grand and discreet, became whispers in the annals of history, each action a testament to his multifaceted character. By the mid-1850s, the tremors of industrialization and commerce were sending ripples through the corridors of American business. A handful of sagacious entrepreneurs began to recognize an emergent need, control over an increasingly complex workforce. Consulting with six Titan railroads of the Midwest, Alan Pinkerton materialized an ingenious solution, a private detective agency that would function not merely as law enforcers, but also as clandestine operatives across diverse spheres of interest. The Pinkerton Detective Agency was groundbreaking in its ethos. Eschewing the prejudices of its time to employ women and minorities, these individuals, often overlooked, were invaluable assets in the covert theater of espionage, their unique perspectives unlocking doors that would remain shut to others. In recognition of the relentless vigilance that would hallmark its operations, Pinkerton adopted a singular symbol, an unblinking eye, accompanied by a slogan as terse as it was impactful, We Never Sleep. 
This neat phrase heralded a saga of triumphs and tragedies, of commendations and vilifications, weaving the Pinkerton name indelibly into the complex tapestry of American law enforcement history. The Pinkerton Agency, an entity that drew both praise and criticism in fluctuating measure, crafted its legacy through a mixture of exploits, some virtuous, some controversial. Each venture, regardless of its ethical hue, served as a vital brushstroke in the complex portrait of this unprecedented organization. At the height of their influence, the Pinkertons stood as paragons of detective acumen. Their reputation was that of relentless manhunters, an accolade earned through a potent blend of resourcefulness and finesse. Outfitted with a veritable arsenal of tools and expertise, trained in methodologies both overt and surreptitious, they were perpetually primed for their ceaseless quest for justice. Armed to the teeth and armed with intellect to match, the Pinkertons became the bane of outlaws, a relentless force embodying the dual virtues of courage and ingenuity. It was an agency that, for better or for worse, forever shaped the landscape of law enforcement and, by extension, the ever-evolving narrative of America itself. Amidst the dust clouds of galloping hooves and the acrid tang of gunsmoke, the Pinkerton agents found themselves face to face with legends and specters, outlaws whose very names etched themselves into the annals of American lore. The towering figures of Jesse James, the nefarious Reno Gang, the elusive ensemble known as the Wild Bunch, which included the infamous Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, all of these figures came under the unyielding scrutiny of Pinkerton's relentless agents. Additional encounters with the younger brothers, George Collins, alias Fred Lewis, and Bill Randolph, filled their dossiers with tales of valor and sacrifice. Men like Harry Orchard, a felon who coldly confessed to a Pinkerton agent his crime of assassinating former Idaho Governor Frank Stunenberg in 1905, were ushered to the gallows of justice. Though Orchard's sentence would later be commuted, the shadow of retribution loomed large. As the United States unfurled its borders, stretching like a waking giant across a new world, the arteries of its growing empire, railroads, became veins rich for the plundering. During the 1850s, the Pinkerton Agency plunged into the depths of this criminal underworld to solve a slew of train robberies. It was then that Alan Pinkerton crossed paths with two men whose destinies were entwined with the shaping of a nation. George B. McClellan, then chief engineer and vice president of the Illinois Central Railroad, and Abraham Lincoln, a lawyer serving the railroad's legal interests who would ascend to become the immortal 16th president of the United States. Lincoln, recognizing the agency's uncanny aptitude for subterfuge and intelligence, enlisted Pinkerton agents as espionage operatives against the Confederacy during the somber years of the Civil War. They also served as Lincoln's clandestine guardians, vigilant sentinels in a time teeming with shadows and treachery. At its apex, the Pinkerton Detective Agency burgeoned into the most mammoth private law enforcement entity on the global stage. Thus, wrapped in a mixture of glory and peril, honor and moral ambiguity, the Pinkertons persevered. They ventured through incandescent bursts of violence, through the silence of stealth, and the hushed confessions in shadowed rooms. They marked not just an era, but the very essence of a rapidly growing nation's complicated journey towards its own identity. 
As the Civil War unfurled its wings across the American landscape, Alan Pinkerton found himself assuming the mantle of Chief of the Union Intelligence Service, a role he embraced with the gravity of one entrusted with the very lifeblood of a fractured nation. Within this crucible of conflict, Pinkerton thwarted a nefarious assassination plot that sought to sever the life threads of Abraham Lincoln as the president journeyed toward the heart of the Union, Washington, D.C. His intelligence was also a vital beacon for General George B. McClellan, commander of the Army of the Potomac, guiding him through the murk of uncertainty with estimates of Confederate troop numbers gained from undercover agents in the field. Operating from behind enemy lines, Pinkerton agents donned the guises of Confederate soldiers and sympathizers, traversing the clandestine byways of military intelligence. Pinkerton himself, a master of disguise and subterfuge, metamorphosed into Major E.J. Allen, his alias when operating in Confederate strongholds. During the sweltering months of the summer of 1861, he delved deep into the tangled warrens of the South, scrutinizing fortifications and unraveling the intricacies of Confederate stratagems. His mission reached a perilous zenith in Memphis, where discovery clawed at his heels and he narrowly evaded the Reaper's cold embrace. This intricate theater of espionage, rife with perils and subterfuge, presages the modern counterintelligence operations spearheaded by today's U.S. Army counterintelligence special agents. In this sense, the Pinkerton Agency stands as a spiritual forebear, a prototype of contemporary intelligence organizations. Yet the agency's prowess in gathering accurate estimates of Confederate forces comes with a whispered question mark. While Pinkerton's assessments are believed to have been generally reliable, the numbers occasionally swelled, ballooning into inflated figures, perhaps manipulated either by Pinkerton himself or more likely by military commanders eager to underscore the urgency or peril of their campaigns. Thus, Alan Pinkerton, once a humble Scottish cooper, found himself at the swirling nexus of American history, a vital cog in the grinding machinery of war and intelligence. In 1861, Alan Pinkerton's name would etch itself indelibly into the annals of American history, with his unmasking of a treacherous plot to assassinate President-elect Abraham Lincoln. This scheme, shrouded in diabolical secrecy, was initially brought to Pinkerton's attention by Samuel Morse Felton. Fueled by this urgent intelligence, Pinkerton deployed a host of undercover agents who wove themselves seamlessly into the very fabric of subversive gatherings, pro-slavery conclaves, and seditious cabals, ferreting out whispers and innuendos that congealed into irrefutable evidence. Baltimore, that crucible of divided loyalties and concealed agendas, emerged as the focal point for this devious assassination endeavor. Two circumstances lent this locale a unique gravitas in the malevolent stratagem, Maryland's troubled status as a slave state harboring antipathy for Lincoln, and a peculiar municipal law prohibiting steam engines within the city's boundaries, meaning that the president-elect would have to disembark one train and travel by horse-drawn railcar to a connecting train. But Pinkerton's agile countermeasures bore fruit. Lincoln arrived incognito in Washington, D.C., on the 23rd of February, 1861, sheathed in the protective cloak of secrecy and surrounded by an aura of heightened vigilance. A subsequent independent inquiry by Senator William H. Seward, the future Secretary of State, echoed Pinkerton's grim findings. 
Consequently, Lincoln's train journey was rerouted through an intricate maze that bypassed Bel Air, Ohio, wound its way around Wheeling, Virginia, and threaded through Pennsylvania before reaching the safety of the federal capital. Lincoln's secretive passage through Baltimore would for a long time stoke the embers of controversy. Critics disparaged it as a cowardly act that besmirched the president's honor. However, considering the ghastly fate that would later befall him at the hands of John Wilkes Booth, one might argue that caution had been wisely exercised. Further strengthening his reputation as a paragon of vigilance, Pinkerton would later orchestrate a separate operation that unmasked a clandestine ring of spies operating within the hallowed halls of Washington. His agency also pioneered the use of photographic profiling and detailed suspect descriptions, innovations that would serve as foundational pillars for the future United States Secret Service, an entity brought into official existence on July 5, 1865, mere months after the tragic demise of Abraham Lincoln. One of the most significant figures in the Pinkerton Agency was Kate Warren, often described as America's first female detective. Warren played an instrumental role in thwarting the assassination plot against Lincoln. Disguised as a Southern Belle, Warren collected intelligence critical to the mission. Her skill in deception and subterfuge proved invaluable in safely transporting Lincoln to Washington, D.C., a feat that contributed to the enduring fame of the Pinkerton Agency and its adoption of the We Never Sleep slogan and Open Eye logo, a testament to the long journey she took with the president without sleeping even once. However, the role the agency played in suppressing labor strikes has been a matter of enduring controversy. Employed by businesses during key labor disputes like the Great Railroad Strike of 1877 and the Homestead Strike of 1892, Pinkerton agents were often seen as enemies of the working man, leading to violent confrontations that resulted in loss of life. These actions have cast a long shadow over the Pinkerton legacy, creating a complex mixture of heroism and villainy. Nevertheless, Pinkerton's contributions to the field of criminal investigation cannot be overlooked. He was, after all, inducted into the Military Intelligence Hall of Fame, and his last name became synonymous with the term private detective in popular lexicon. His work paved the way for modern criminal databases, now exemplified by agencies like the FBI. At the time of his death, Pinkerton's life had come full circle. His exact cause of death remains mired in ambiguity, reflective of the clouded narratives that often swirled around his life's work. Whether due to a tragic slip on the pavement, a lingering stroke, or malaria contracted during his southern escapades, Pinkerton's demise was as mysterious as some of the cases he had solved. He now lies in eternal rest at Graceland Cemetery in Chicago, between his loving wife and his dear friend Kate Warren, a poignant emblem of the two central pillars of his life, family and work. Alan J. Pinkerton, July 21, 1819 to July 1, 1884 the illustrious Pinkerton Detective Agency will forever be remembered as one of the most successful law enforcement outfits in the Old West and respected for their work in intelligence gathering and excellent criminal investigation. Be sure to join us again as we explore some of their more intriguing cases with the men and women of the Pinkerton Detective Agency. This was The Pinkertons, the private detective agency that never sleeps. And you are listening to the Lore Network.